Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Daniel chapter 3, title of the message today is No Other Gods. No Other Gods. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Heard of a story. Maybe you heard of it. <laughs> One day a nice fisherman drilled a hole into the ice and he peered in the hole and a loud voice said, There's no fish down there. He walked several yards away, drilled into another hole and peered into the hole again. The voice said again, There's no fish down there. Then he walked about 50 yards away and drilled another hole again. And the voice he heard again said, there's no fish down there. He looked up to the sky and said, God, is that you? And the voice said, no, you idiot. It's the ice rink manager. There's no fish down there. Twenty twenty one. 2020 kind of felt like that. We hope 2021 does not feel like that. As we close 2020, who would have ever thought in a million years, I remember graduating from high school and even thinking about the year 2020 as being this monumental year. Remember thinking about 2020, wondering if you would ever get to it? It's kind of like thinking about 2050 right now. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll never reach 2050. I mean, that's so far. The year we will never forget. We close the doors on a lot of things, and we open doors to new things. Of course, we want to close the door on the things we want to forget. We don't like the way they went. But I think it's important to put those in a remember file in our minds so that we don't repeat some of these things. But we also close the door, sadly, on missed opportunities because of being overwhelmed or caught up in the chaos of 2020. For me personally, I tried to make the decision early on that COVID-19, the race wars, the fear and divide in churches, the fear and divide in families and friendships, sadly, our businesses and society shut down, the political chaos and debates, the economy going who knows where, I made the decision early on that we will keep on living and that we will keep on enjoying and keep on making things beautiful. You see the movie Life is Beautiful? Man, if you haven't seen it, you got to go back and watch this movie. It is the best movie. I remember the first time watching it. If you didn't know, it's basically about a father and his family who are his, his little boy and his wife, and they're separated in the divide of the Holocaust. And the father goes with the boy, and the, the wife has to go off away, and they're separated in the camps. What happens is the father makes up a game for his little boy to play during the Holocaust. He says, son, if you see a tank, you get 100 points. If you see soldiers, you get 10 points. But if you stay hidden, I'll give you a thousand points. And he basically makes a whole game out of this terrible situation to help get his boy through this very difficult moment. Life is beautiful, he says. Life is still beautiful. No matter what's going on, we need to make the decision to keep on living, keep on making life beautiful. 
And where I want to take this sermon today and where I want to take you today is getting us to a place where we remember that we will bow to no other gods of the world and get caught up in the fears and the chaos that everyone else gets caught up in. We're not going to do it. If the whole world is going that way in fear and chaos, the sky is falling, everything's burning down, we will still stand in the middle of it with our God, be anchored in Him, find joy, peace, and rest, and still be the light in this dark world. We've got to be able to navigate it. If people want to live in fear, that's up to them. That's the beauty of America. You can live as you desire. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will not live in fear. And we, we will be cautious. We will be thoughtful. And we will be wise. But we will not be crippled. I'm sorry. I'm going surfing. Well, my little babe's going to run around the beach. And we're going to have an absolute blast. And we did. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep making great food. We're going to keep making memories. We're going to keep living and figuring out how to make it work. We will be cautious. We will be thoughtful. We will be wise, but we will not be crippled. I don't allow other people to think for me. I don't allow other people to tell me how to think. I will process the information given to me place it through a biblical worldview, and make the best decision for my family. I never will get this time back with my kids and my wife. I never get time back, period. And so I'm not going to let someone else determine how I will be using my time. I can govern myself. I have a brain. I have deduction skills. I can reason. And I don't need you to reason for me. I like talking with people about the information, gathering all the information. Now let's make a logical decision. And I've seen so much illogical decisions and irrationality. Every day I'm at Home Depot. <laughs> you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And me and this dude are standing two feet to each other talking about drill bits. His, his, his mask is down here and then I walk over to the cash register and mine is like right there it's about to dip excuse me sir get it up over your eyes I'm like man can we get consistency in this place please I run a church and we're can't meet can't move for eight and a half months but here they are running sloppy business in here making billions inconsistencies on all levels really bothers me. If it is a black plague, let's shut everything down, please. Everything. Leprosy, people, it's going to be a mess. Everything needs to be shut down. Everyone needs to stay home. Every single thing needs to be, everybody, the whole government, everything shut down. Nobody's going to work. Or everyone has the proper opportunity to think for themselves, govern their own family, they can do it. They're smart enough to do it. You can tie your shoes. You can put your right hand over your heart for the Pledge of Allegiance, can't you? I am, I have to say this because 
we have a little bit of a calm moment and I can actually tell you where I'm at as a person. I am tired of living in fear. And I'm tired of seeing my friends and family and church members around me crippled by fear. They're not moving and they're dying from the fear. They're not even sick and they're dying. The theme word I place over 2020 is fear. I tested it a couple times. If I don't look at social media, the news, or even talk with anybody about any of that stuff, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm still going to Home Depot and doing my thing, and I'm like, I'm good. It's shocking how much I am influenced, even trying to process, and how fear is placed upon me. Have you ever watched a scary movie? There is a sweet little sound. We actually have a, uh, a music editor for movies in our crowd today. He, know, he probably knows this very, very well. But the way that this works, there's, a, there's this sound that shows up, this eerie sound that shows up in the back of a movie scene that causes you to be on edge. And I watch my little girl, because they have it in cartoons sometimes. I watch the sound happens, that little and it starts to intensify before you know it you're like okay what's going on it's amazing how it influences you and i see the same thing happening with what we're receiving through the radio through our eyes and through what's happening on social media everyone took the bait even in the midst of war let me say this there is a healthy fear healthy fear you want to know what healthy fear is if there's a bear right here on the side of the hill, you should be in fear. That's good, fear. Why? It will maul you. If you are not cautious, you're going to get crushed. You just walk over to it. Hey, bear, how you doing? You want to hang out? You want a meal? Okay, here, you eat some, I'll eat some. He eats you, right? In the midst of a war, place yourself in war. Bombs going off tanks coming by, guns going off. In the midst of war, there is a healthy fear. But if every man and woman in war is crippled by their fear in the moment of war, you lose the battle. You have to, we must learn and understand this and learn from 2020. Even in the midst of crazy times, we are not to run and hide. We need to keep on living for the glory of God. We need to keep on standing for righteousness and keep on loving our family. Keep on making memories. Keep on building. Keep on creating. Keep on having fun. I am. Isn't that sad? The creators have stopped creating. The builders have stopped building. People aren't adapting and figuring out how to build their business a different way. The big, spot, big box companies are. All the small businesses are getting smashed. We cannot be crippled by it. We have to figure out how to step over it and keep moving forward. And fear is the key thing to get you crippled. One of my favorite verses through 2021, we've heard it a lot. Or sorry, 2020, we've heard it a lot. Second Timothy 1, 7, and 8, it says, For God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love, self-control. Self-controlled, sound mind, 
in the midst of war, I have been trained, and there's chaos going on around me, yet I'm precise. An emotional war, a spiritual war, a physical war, political war, ideological war, trained, self-control, sound mind, not panic, not anxious, not stressed, and not fearful. God has given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. And we are to think through this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. The Apostle Paul sitting in prison says, share in the suffering of Christ. Be okay with suffering. It's part of it. It's part of our journey as Christians. We will suffer. Jesus told us this. It was promised to us. In this life, you will have tribulation, but take heart of overcome the world. It's going to happen. The Christian should be able to navigate this better than anyone, yet I see the church falling apart. That's why we need to recalibrate. We need to refocus. We need to get ready for 2021. Hear crazy projections. You're just talking about it. This thing's going to bleed into 2022. It's just like, what is going on here? Okay, if that is the way it's going to be, then we are going to prepare for this mental war. Today, I want to look at three guys who could have been crippled by their fear, their 2020 year, the fear of the moment that would have probably crushed anyone, but their hearts were prepared. They chose to worship God instead of the culture. They stood when no one else would. They stood against the powers and ways of the world. You're about to see the most powerful, peaceful protest in history. They use only words to defend themselves, and God shows up and does the rest. It is beautiful. It's a lesson for us. These guys make a radical stand in the midst of the world around them, and they actually win. (laughs) It's amazing. We are in Daniel chapter 3. Let's open verses 1 through 6. We're going to do a story kind of Bible study today. Normally, you'll see me take a small portion of text and then like break down points. We're going to do a large portion of text and do kind of a storyline through it, okay? So walk through the story and pull out some points. It'll be fun. You guys want to stand for the reading of God's Word? Thanks so much if you want to. We always stand for the reading of God's Word to pay honor to Him to remember whose Word we are reading. His Word, His story. Daniel chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, are you there? It says this, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administers, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So that the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then they heard, they herald a cry aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. 
Look at all these people. That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the palestry, and the symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Let's pray. Father, we submit this text to you and we ask you to give us wisdom Give us wisdom on these matters. Lord, as everybody is running together in this world, worshiping other gods, living other ways, running away from you, we ask that you would give us wisdom on what it looks like to stand firm in the culture for your glory, to worship you, to celebrate you, to not be in fear of what everyone else is doing, but Lord, to figure out what you want us to do to listen to you, to think through what it looks like to live righteously in a culture like ours. Give us wisdom, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So King Nebuchadnezzar erects a 90-foot high, 9-feet-wide, gold-plated statue of himself in the middle of the fields, and he invites all the leaders, governors, captains, chiefs to come and see this thing. 90 feet 90 feet, um, that's probably 25 feet, um, 90 feet, tie almost times four. Can you imagine? Nine feet wide, a giant statue of King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. This was real. It's solid gold. Can you imagine? The sun hits that thing, it's like a spotlight. I mean, lasers, like, I mean, it was incredible. King Nebuchadnezzar holds this huge dedication ceremony to celebrate the giant idol he made of himself. As crazy as it sounds that a man would make a statue of himself, we do the same things all the time. We know this is actually happening in North Korea right now. There's a giant statue of the dictator leader in the middle of their capital. Giant! But we do similar things, maybe not externally. We do them all the time. Do you ever, when do we do this, you say, Pastor? You ever see what people do when they see a good picture of themselves they like? Oh, wow. Everybody else in the picture looks terrible. Oh, wow. That, was, that one's perfect. That one looks absolutely amazing. Well, what, what did you like about it? I mean, because I kind of look like a crazy dude in that one. Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just really, really beautiful picture. I think we should frame it. They love it. Can you imagine if someone carved a beautiful statue of you? Oh, you would love it. Especially if they took away all the bad, the bad blemished images of me, right? Somebody gave me hair, right? Wow. I like that statue. What do you love about it? Everything. The hair, especially. Because the truth is, we love ourselves. How many days we worship ourselves before we worship God would be a fun one to figure out. We make decisions to please ourselves before we please the Lord. The false god or the idol in our lives can be us. We are the God of our own lives. And when we say things like, 
when we do this, we say things like, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what God thinks. At this point, you are the God of your own life. At that point, you don't have a God you are obedient to except for yourself. We have Christians do this all the time in LA. I'm a Christian. Are you obedient to God? Oh, no, no. What do you mean? Obedient? I don't even like that word. Submission? Get out of here. Yeah, if you have a God, if Jesus is your Lord, master and king, then we very quickly find ourselves submitting to him and being obedient to his commands. But if he's not our Lord, not our God, not our master, not our king, then of course we don't have to live in obedience to him and we won't. I've been thinking about this one a lot, especially during this season. I think it's just, I just look around, I just feel bad for so many people during this season. In the grocery store, wherever I'm at, I'm just looking around, I just feel sad. I saw this guy, we were over at Starbucks getting a coffee and we walk in, everybody's all masked up, we're hanging out and waiting for our coffees. And it was 11.27, Starbucks closed at 11.30 that morning. He walked in 11.27, the lady's like, I'm sorry, you know, uh, we're closed. He's like, no, it's 1127. It's, you're not closed yet. No, no, I'm sorry. We're closed. You, you have to leave. And it was like, it was one of those tense moments where it's like, it's about to go down. Like right now, I was just like, and sadly, everything in me wanted to figure out how to bless this guy because I knew I was getting my coffee and I just ordered a second before him. I just, I just beat the clock. But sadly, you know, he's not going to get his coffee. We live in America. First world problems, right? But I was thinking that, I just, I see he's bummed, you know, he's walking out, and there was literally nothing that I could do to help him to get him a coffee. And then these words came to me for some reason. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. I said, if I was to love my neighbor as myself, what am I excited about that I get to get my coffee? I would figure out how to get him a coffee or give him a coffee. And this is, this has pushed me to think even deeper and deeper about this because Do you know the best way that you love God? Of course, worshiping him alone, making him number one in your heart, but the way that that shows outwardly is the second greatest command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love God. Really? Show me. No, I really do love God. Has his love impacted your life? Yeah, it's impacted greatly. Well, show me. Jesus said you will know These guys are my disciples by their love for one another. That's how you know. I love myself way more than I love this guy. And that's why I took my coffee and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I just walked out and just thought to myself, like, I don't know how to properly love my neighbor the same way that I love myself. Let me take it a step further. To love people and take care of another the same way I take care of myself is foreign. If I buy this for myself, would I buy the same for you? If I make myself comfortable, will I make you comfortable the same? If I want it this way, will I let you have it your way first? We say, well, yes, I do this for the people I love. Jesus said, do it for your neighbor. Has God done it for his neighbor? Yeah, it's you. What is he doing pouring all this love on us? 
What is he doing letting his very own son lay down his life for us? For me. What is God doing letting this happen? He is loving us deeply. We, the society promotes the opposite. Love you, man. You take care of you. You be selfish. You got to be selfish sometimes. Really? The most selfish people that I know are the most miserable people on the planet. But the most giving people that I know, those who lower themselves and serve others and lift up others, are some of the most amazing human beings on the planet. We have this subtle thing. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, but don't take care of yourself only. Jesus says this is the second greatest command ever, and it's the way that you prove you love God by your love for other people. We have missed this. We really do worship ourselves here in L.A. It's all about me, baby. I'm getting mine. I'm working up that ladder. You get my way, I will stomp you out, the society says. Sadly, Jesus calls us to the opposite, and we're missing the whole thing. That's why this place is so miserable sometimes. Everybody's ticked off in a very happy season. Everybody's angry. You know what we need to do, family? We've got to shine bright in this darkness. We've got to get in that grocery store and start shining. Start being generous. Start helping people. Start loving people. Why? You have the Spirit of God in you. We have to stand against and the whole society is worshiping themselves and worshiping these gods. We worship our God who calls us to love and serve people. We do different. King Nebuchadnezzar built an idol, an image, a statue unto himself. Remember anybody else who tried to do this? Do you remember who else tried to do this? Remember Lou? Sifer? Yes, Lou, Sifer. Come on, lighten up. Lucifer tried to do this in heaven. Do you remember? He said, no, I want a statue. I want them to worship me, God. I want the glory. Isaiah 12, 14, how you, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. This is the devil. He was Lucifer. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down into its lowest pits. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? This guy, this is the great Lucifer here in hell? They will look on him and say, that's him? Lucifer wanted the glory, and God struck him down out of heaven for eternity. Family, glory makes us sick. We weren't made to receive it. We were made to do the opposite. We were made to worship God. Glory will make you sick because you weren't made for it. Worshiping God will make you well because you were created for it. 
Worship God, don't worship yourself, don't receive the glory. Deflect glory. All you got to do is look at the rich, the famous, and the powerful. They become more and more sick the more glory they receive. They don't know what to do with it. So they're not made to receive it. Nebuchadnezzar wanted the glory, so he wrecks a 90-foot image in the middle of the field and says, when the music starts, everybody better get on their face and start bowing down and worshiping. Look at verse 3 again. Let's hammer through our story here. It says, so the whole council, everybody there, the magistrates, all the officials of the province, gathered together for the decision and dedication of the image of King Nebuchadnezzar that he had set up, and they stood before the image that he had set up. And they said, when the symphony starts, verse 5, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image. Can you imagine if we did that here in L.A.? When the music starts... You get on your face, you get on your knees, you bow down to the image. That's insane. And it says, the king said that whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Verse 7, so at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, they heard the music, all the languages and the nations fell down and worshiped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. A couple things to look at here. So he brings everybody there for this dedication ceremony. You can probably imagine the ceremony had all the bells and whistles, lasers and lights and backflips and circus and you name it. The music starts. This is the dedication ceremony of the king's statue of himself. He's invited all the stars, the rich and powerful, the famous, to come and see this statue. Kind of reminds me of Grammys or the Emmys or something or the Oscars. Yeah, I watch them too. Everybody invites everybody to come and worship them. It's really funny. The words are great, but you know what I mean. During the dedication of the great statue, the king has his master of ceremony announce to everyone, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to the greatest ceremony of the ages. Tension. When the music of the great King Nebuchadnezzar plays, everyone will bow down and worship this golden image Anyone who does not bow down and worship will be thrown into a fiery furnace. That is exactly what happened. My wife shared a great point with me as we were talking about this chapter. This is exactly what the world and the kings of the world will do. They erect all kinds of images and idols and declare to us that we must worship them. Maybe you're thinking, I haven't heard of any kings telling us to worship idols. Where are they? Are you ready? They are the TV shows, the movies, the media, the internet, the news, the politics, the philosophies of the world. They are hidden agendas, and there are ideas in every single one of these things. Doesn't look like an idol, I know. Well, how do they get us? We're not bowing down. They're hidden agendas in all of these things. From politics to the media, you name it, it's all there. The idea is in all of them. And they erect all kinds of idols and convince you to worship them and basically throw you into the fire if you don't agree with them. If you don't bow down to the gods of the world, they worship, they will throw you into the fire. It's true. We see it on social media. They will burn you down. 
They will burn you down if you don't fall in line. I brought this illustration up a couple, you know, weeks ago, but I just love it, you know. They, they tried to pull Chris Pratt in and try to get him to, like, you know, take a side and do the whole thing. I love it. He just ignored the whole thing. He's like, no thanks. I don't play that game. If you want to run over there, you can run, but I'm not running your game. I'm running in my own lane. I'm called to do this. You're called to do that. You stay over there. I'll stay over here. Let's keep loving and serving each other. Quit with the riffraff. You want to try to cancel me? I think he grew by a couple million. I just love it. And this is the stance we need to take against the world. I'm sorry. I am not falling in line with your ways. I'm sorry. I'm not following your philosophies and ideas. You're thinking incorrectly. I have the truth of God's word, and it offends you. But it has been offending people for thousands of years. It offends me too. That's what I'm thankful for. It's the truth. It tells me what I need to know. If you don't bow down and worship the gods of the world that they worship, they will burn you down. They will threaten to burn you down. But I love... Moses said in Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods before me. Only the Lord God and his ways, his words, his commands. Exodus 20, 23, do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of idols. Deuteronomy 6, 14, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. The gods of the people around me are not these little statues of wood that people worship anymore. Don't you get it? It's all hidden now. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Colossians 2, 8, see to it that no one takes you captive, takes you prisoner by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. Get away from those ideas. Wash your mind in God's word. Wash your mind... Yes, brainwashing, washing our mind, not in the radio, not in the TV shows. It's just entertainment. It's not supposed to be giving you a lifestyle and way to live. It's what's amazing to me is those who are great at entertainment many times think that they have all the answers to morality on the planet. And I'm like, why are we listening to that dude? What does he know about morality? Simply because he has followers? What is his point of reference? We need God's word to guide us and direct us. Look at verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward to accuse the Jews. They spoke. Here it is. Cancel culture showed up to cancel these Jews. They spoke and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. (laughs) It's beautiful. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, posture, and and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the burning fire. And there are certain Jews who you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men. O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. 
King, these guys believe in traditional marriage. These guys believe the word of God. They actually take it word for word. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember these guys? These are Daniel's friends. Daniel had great influence on these guys, and here they are choosing not to serve the king and not bow down like everybody else is, and they're getting told on. Tattletales showed up to tell on them. I love it. Dad, he's not bowing to the idol. Yeah, that's right, he's not. Daniel had great influence on these guys. Do you remember? Daniel 1. Daniel would not eat the king's food or drink the wine at the table, even though the other guys were doing it. He would not break the commands of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego followed Daniel's lead, and they were blessed because of it. These four stood out among the rest. God blessed them and gave them favor because they stood against it. In Daniel 2, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were asked by Daniel to pray for him, that God would reveal to him the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar and the interpretation, and God answered the prayer and placed Daniel in high position in his kingdom. Then Daniel turned around and asked King Nebuchadnezzar if he can have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as his right-hand men. So these guys ran together. They were standing against the ways of the world in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, and God was giving them favor. It's amazing. Understand the influence you have on people. Everyone influences somebody. You know, you can influence people very, very quickly. Simple ones are with, one of the easiest ones is with a smile. Did you know that? Just one of these. You smile big at somebody, what are they going to do? You give a genuine smile to somebody, it's like, man, thanks. You can influence people. You're influencing people right now. Everyone influences someone. Listen, people will respect and follow those who do right. The only problem is everyone is too scared and in fear to stand up and do what is right because they are scared they're going to be made fun of and very few will follow. But what you must understand is you can either have a few people follow you, the world against you, but God on your side, which is pretty good. You can have the world following you and God against you. No thanks. I want the approval of God before I want the approval of the world. Daniel influenced these guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I almost guarantee that the very reason these three guys have the boldness to stand up to the king and not bow to the idol, but speak with passion and boldness of their convictions, is because they have seen Daniel do it twice already, and he influenced them to do great things. One person stands up and does something great, it will influence others to stand up and do something great. Let me ask you, are you influencing people? Is it for good or for bad? Because you're influencing no matter what. Family, your friends, your parents, your children, married couples. We need to be empowering people to live and preach the gospel. Blaise Pascal said this, the entire ocean is affected by the smallest pebble. You drop one pebble into the ocean, that ripple literally does affect the rest of the ocean. A little pebble. One of my favorite, D.L. Moody, a 
A holy life will produce the deepest impression. Watch this. Lighthouses blow no horns. They only shine. A holy life will produce the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They only shine. Look at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at this time, you hear the sound of the horn, you hear the music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, firing furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Uh-oh. He's like, get these dudes in here. Play that music, and I want to see if they bow down. So the king challenges these guys, puts them on blast in front of everyone. Can you imagine being in this position? The king's saying, okay, I'm going to give you one last chance. If you make the right decision, good. If you don't, you're going to die right here, right now. And then he mocks them. He says, what God do you worship that's actually going to save you from the hands, from my hands in the fiery furnace? I love this. Who wouldn't be in fear? Who wouldn't be in fear? And we crumble over the person next to us. It's amazing how weak we are as a society. I mean, God forbid we ever have to go to war and there is a draft for all the young men of this society. Like, what? Wait, we got to do what? We have no backbone anymore. We don't know how to stand up for what is right. Even when we want to stand up for what is right, we're scared of what somebody else thinks. It's what this society does to us. Family, you need to start caring about what God thinks. Forget what everybody else thinks. You make sure you're doing what's right before the Lord. Then you can think about what everybody else thinks. This is a sad reality. But the king gets in these dudes' face. He says, I'm going to crush you if you don't bow down right now. You want to die? Watch the boldness. Watch the power that comes forth. Reminds me of someone we've seen. They have been influenced by the great God of Daniel. Watch how they respond to Nebuchadnezzar. Are you ready? This is fantastic. Somebody needs to do a movie on this one. It's amazing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't even call him king. Said, hey, Nebi, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if not, but if he does not deliver us, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Our God will deliver us from the fire, but if he doesn't and we go down in flames, just know this, let it be known to everybody in town. We're not bowing anyways. He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry. This topic is not open for discussion. We're not bowing. 
We're not following the ways of the world. We're not living in fear. Why are they so passionate about their God? I'll tell you why. It's because they know him. They have tasted of the Lord. They have him for eternity. God has given them himself. There is a relationship, a real relationship with the Lord their God. They know the Lord. And because they know him, they are not in fear of anyone around them. You want to know why we're in fear? It's because we're not in relationship with God. We're in relationship with all the people around us. We're missing the one important relationship. What does God think? What faith and passion these guys had. Once you've tasted of God, you can never go back to the world. Sure, we get tempted by the ways of the world, but it's like, I'm sorry, I don't want that trash. <laughs> you mean, I get filet mignon, I get a nice set up meal, and I'm going to go back to the trash of the world? I'm sorry. I've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I don't have time for that. And some of you had to reach the bottom. Some of you had to experience the bottom. Me too. Really low levels where you're just like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I don't, I actually, I've had my fill of the world. I don't like it. It doesn't taste good. I'm always shocked by Christians who are naive to the things of the world and say, no, I got to go and taste. I got to go and see. It's like, okay. Go and get smashed. Go and get go and get burnt by the things of the world and then come back to God and see who he is. There's just no comparison. I'm not eating out of a dumpster for the rest of my life when I can go to Roos Chris. No thanks. They had tasted of a relationship with God and they were saying there's no way we are going to worship like the world does. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? The gods of the world can do nothing for you, family. They don't fulfill. All we have to do is look into the eyes of those who partake of them daily. It's already given to us. Look at verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed. Movie moment. Right? The details his face changed towards them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it usually was heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, firing furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, watch this, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, firing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished as he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king, yes. He said, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. So didn't we throw three guys in the fire? 
Well, what happened to the guards who threw him in there? Sir, they got burnt up. You, you heated it up seven times. Why are there four guys in there? And why are they walking around? And one's on a lazy boy recliner just hanging out in there. What's going on? This is not a spa. This is not a sauna situation. And Nebuchadnezzar, it falls out of his mouth. I love the text. The fourth person is like the son of God. Who is this fourth person? Could have been an angel, possibly Jesus himself. I like to think and believe it was the Lord Jesus because it is he who always shows up to bring us rest and peace from the world in the midst of fire. Jesus said, John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. You will have fires. You will have showdowns. You will have challenges, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus shows up in the fire. Jesus parts red seas. Jesus fights our battles. And that is why Jesus alone should be worshipped. No other God can do these things. We don't part Red Seas. We don't stop the fires. We don't close the lion's mouths. We don't slay giants. God does. In us. He receives the glory. If God didn't show up and put a spin on that rock, it would have never leveled Goliath. If God didn't show up when Moses raised that staff, that sea would have never parted. If God didn't show up and loose those bands around their arms and legs and hands, they would never be walking around the fire. All the glory belongs not to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but to Almighty God. The king must have been shocked, probably almost fainted, and scared to death. Look what happens as we close our text. Look at verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke, saying this, He walks up to the edge and looks in. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. I'm surprised they didn't yell, no, the spa is nice. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Verse 27, Satraps, administrators, governors, the kings, the counselors gathered together and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Oh my gosh, I love it. They got a promotion for standing up for what is right. For not living in fear. Oh, the tables turned. A few minutes ago, King Nebuchadnezzar was ticked. And now he's praising their God, the only God. 
God was made famous because of these boys' stance. God will use anyone who is available, family. Look at the miracle God did. Not a single hair was touched by the fire. Now, that wouldn't be a big of a miracle in my case, but man, not even the smell of smoke on them because of this great radical miracle. King Nebuchadnezzar says, if anybody speaks bad about their God, we're cutting you up. Crazy. I love the final statement, verse 29, because there is no God who can deliver like this. There is no God who can deliver like this. Family, please. No other God who can deliver like this. There is only one God. He is the only one who can deliver, period. Who the Son, Jesus, sets free, he is free indeed. Do you need to be delivered from other gods today? Are you worshiping other gods that can do nothing for you? Money, fame, power, partying, substance, whatever it is, it can't do much for you except for what it already does. It's done. Once you get it, bummer. But our God is the one who truly satisfies to such a degree that it gives us Love, power, and a sound mind to stand in the midst of chaos and not be in fear. What a gift. Can you imagine? What a gift to have if you were able to stand before King Nebuchadnezzar and be an example for all those people around and turn all these people to the Lord their God and bring true joy, true peace, true happiness, true satisfaction to their life. I want to pray for us as a church. As we close 2020, I'm not here to try to point out all the gods in your life. I just speak broadly and let God do the rest. You know what you're worshiping. You know who and where you're worshiping. You know where you have good, healthy fear and you're cautious and wise. And you know where you're just out of control. I'm telling you, as we close this year, Let's start to look into 2020 as if it could be an emotional, spiritual war and to be prepared on how to navigate and to stand in the midst of the world and say, I'm sorry, I'm not worshiping all those gods in all those ways. I'm going to figure this out for me and my family. We're going to worship God. We're going to keep enjoying life. We're going to keep living. We're going to keep making life beautiful. And we're going to be the light that shines in the darkness. Amen? We got to do it. Who else is going to do it in this city? We need you to do it. Let's all stand up. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you now. We want to offer ourselves to you. Lord, we want to ask your forgiveness for worshiping other gods in this city, thinking they're going to satisfy. We want to ask for forgiveness for getting caught up in the ways of the world not going to you in prayer, not going to your word, not listening to sound counsel and advice of brothers and sisters around us, just being caught up in everything else, what everybody else is caught up in. Lord, we choose to separate ourselves from the world, but stand in the midst of it. Lighthouses don't blow horns. They only shine. They make a huge impact. 
We pray that would be us, Lord, that we don't need to be loud and obnoxious. We don't need to be mean or rude. We can love and serve people at the highest level and win people closer in relationship with you. We can stand firm against kings. We can stand firm against things that don't make sense and aren't right. We can still be loving and compassionate. Give us wisdom in these things. Father, we need forgiveness of our sins more than ever before. As we close 2020, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Make us new. Prepare us for a new year. As we cross over, Lord, in the new year, I pray there'd be new life, freshness, a new walk with you. Resurrect us. Heal us like only you can. Please, Lord, we call on you to do this work in us. Stand with us in the fire. We need your presence. We can't do it without you. You're the only one who makes a fiery furnace feel peaceful. You're the only one who can do it. Give our lives to you now. Do it as we close this year. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen.